Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. Don't stop. Please let you cut. Let us Honestly. I've gusset. I've absolutely gusset. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. everybody welcome on in it's another edition of mode push your f1 podcast of choice and for that we thank you if you're like me maybe you listen to a lot more but guess what uh dan jimenez my co-host is always alex curie here dan uh i mean it was an amazing race right can we walk it away was from something us? it, was, it something. was a thing it was definitely a race <laughs> they had a race they have a podium. Yeah, the the outcome that we probably all expected still happened, but the journey from the start to the end was uh, totally out of left field. After a mess of red flags and red tape, it seemed like, and all of just the back and forth, uh, Max Verstappen deservingly won the Grand Prix. Oh yeah, for sure he's, he's a bullet. yeah for sure he. And then you start to hear too later again. I mean, Lewis was ten seconds behind, and Lewis's performance amazing. Yeah, uh, and he was excited. I mean, he was on he's on the radio sounding. Like two years ago, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Which was a great thing for the sport. I think it's awesome to have him performing. I think it's great that the Mercs showed up to the degree that they did. Uh, George could have very well been exactly in that spot. They could have easily gone 2-3. Um, and, and I think that they may even have had the pace on Aston Martin on yeah. on uh, on Sunday. However, and this is the part that I don't like about how this thing ended. And think of that podium, too. Max, all the yeah Lewis, championships, yeah Alonzo, like what a fun thing to have all those guys on there. But I, I listened to way too much commentary on Sunday and Monday, I guess you know earlier in this week, of people that were like, "What a what an exciting Australian Grand Prix," <laughs> and I totally disagree with it. I thought that the, I mean, I was extremely frustrated at the end. Yeah, as a person who wants to see a race end and under green flag conditions. Somebody who wants to see this thing not be massively confusing because that's the other part. Yeah, it's the part about trying to explain it to somebody else because I had no idea how to even explain it. I knew why they were explaining the things that they had done. The problem was, I have friends who started watching Drive to Survive last year or maybe even this mm-hmm. year, and then they go, "I didn't get any of it," and I turned it off. I yeah. didn't get it when they started going through on the second red flag, and then they just basically went, "Yeah, let's pretend like that didn't happen. That restart didn't happen. What a freaking mess of a restart!" I also was like disappointed in these professional race drivers who couldn't keep their crap together for more than a, 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 a quarter. quarter of a lap. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I was frustrated by the by the finish. And I know that F one wants to pitch it like, "Wow, wasn't that exciting?" The answer is it was massively confusing, and at the end. Controversial, yeah. which doesn't necessarily mean a great race. Yeah, and kind of a letdown. It's like I think uh, the longtime fans will be like, "Oh yeah, I understand why that finished." But like, you have to zoom out and look at the race from the perspective of like this new crop of fans and like where the growth is coming from. And just saying, like, that's actually a pretty terrible product if you're a sports fan, right? It's um, just really confusing and frustrating, and like everybody wants to see a race end under a green flag. And I understand, you know, the circumstances in which. You know, that isn't always possible, but there are other race series who have figured this out. 
Um, and like in NASCAR, you have the green white checker, which is uh, basically guarantees that there's going to be uh, a green flag finish unless there is a, a, a wreck on the very last lap, then it's over. Um, but the problem in F1 is you can't do that because there's no refueling. Like there is a defined distance to the race and it can't go any longer because these these cars have exactly the amount of fuel and their engines are tuned to the exact rate, like the fuel burn rate that is necessary to get to that distance. And so, and I it it's a it's done to reduce the cost to make it safer on pit road. I get all of that, but I think F1 has to come up with some way to make it more simple and uh, more reliable to have uh, a green flag finish at the end of a race, or at least a logical reason. Uh, reasoning as to okay why are we not because it just seems like it's all subjective to the stewards on how they want to like i can't remember the last time we had like that last lap parade where it's like okay the safety car is going to peel off but nobody passed like we're just going to like drive across the line oh and carlos you have a five second uh, time penalty but you can't you know you got to maintain that distance it was it was just such a uh, a confusing finish to the race it was and i i think that in the end <clears throat> I can't tell if it's great for the sport or not. Like, again, people who I think are within the sport and watch it a lot, they go, that was just having something different happen doesn't mean it's great either. Right. Uh, And you think about Michael Massey, the native Australian, being there for the (laughs) first time at an F1 race. uh, It's almost like some weird curse that he brought. And there's also the (laughs) The part two where everybody, look, people do not like how that 2021 season ended, but uh, you can't say that he wasn't trying to get some sort of a finish because if you have the season end in that way that we watched on uh, on Sunday, that is not the way to finish a championship. And it's it just – I get it. And, and here's the other thing too, Dan, that I hate is that the rules are in a book and they're going to have to interpret it. Mm-hmm. And it could be any version of anything. that They could have done something totally different and I would have gone, okay, I guess, whatever. Yeah. They could have done the reclassification before the – you know, they did it before the restart. They could have done it after the restart. They could have done it, I think, a bunch of different ways, and you still would have been none the wiser because I don't have the FIA rulebook in front of me, and I would never flip it open to try to understand it myself anyway because it's going to get interpreted. Yeah, it's, there's so many edge cases that you just don't know as a, as a regular fan that, okay, it's okay, we're going to have a red flag uh, restart. Uh, but if they don't get to the first sector line, then we have to fall back to the start position because that's the last time we knew exactly what the running order was. Sure. And in F1, you know exactly what the running order is technically only at the uh, the like at three points, right? At the start of each sector, they know exactly like everybody's time. Um, and in NASCAR, there's like fifteen time markers around each lap, and so they they roll it back from like okay, point of caution roll it back to the last marker, and that's usually within like a second or two of when the caution flag came How out. How does NASCAR handle it, and is it any better? Like, do they do they try to I make sure they... I think they handle it better, yeah. So do they, do they make sure that races end... Under a green flag, like always, is that how they do it? Always, unless that wreck happens on the on the last lap. But if it happens on lap two, three, four, five, however long it's going to take to clean up the mess, they do that, and they just parade around until it's ready to go again. Um, unless it's like a really bad wreck, then they red flag it. Um, but yeah, they always guarantee a green flag finish unless there's a wreck on the exact last lap, and so, it, but they can do that because they can refuel the cars. You know, so you could have. 10 green white checkers and it's like okay well you got to come in at some point and get some more fuel or else we're going to run out and in f1 we don't have that luxury uh anymore of being able to refuel the cars and so 
like the the second to last uh, red flag that came out with uh, was it um, Kevin Magnuson's tire uh, issue? Yeah, like they th- they flew the red they threw the red flag. I think that was for competition reasons. It was like, hey, we want to have a green flag finish. There's three laps left. Let's, Let's red flag down. it. Yeah, like yeah. could they probably could have uh, backed people up behind the safety car and then sent a marshal out there and grabbed the tire off the uh, off the track. But I think they did the red flag more for competition. Okay, great, that's fine. Now the second one was uh they they red flagged it because it was a big giant mess and that was with the gravel on the that track, was, right? That was with uh yeah, because it was um it was Ocon and Gasly got together, right? Was oh the, the two for, yeah, the two That was the third yes. red flag. Yeah, 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 so the two Alpines were That was on the that was on the restart. That, that was, was on, on the, the last restart. On the last restart. Yeah, yeah. So they you know they they red flagged it because it was probably dangerous to bring the cars back through one more time. Yeah. If if they had been more out of the way, I think they just would have, uh, you know, um, Virtual safety, safety, car. safety car and yeah. just finished the race. So uh, I think it was just kind of a, a bit of some unfortunate events. But I, I think the other issue that F1 needs to figure out is, I mean, when they restart from a standing start after a red flag, these tires are pretty cold. Like they don't, they, there wasn't enough time to do two or three laps to try and really get the the tires warmed up for the drivers. And so these guys all started on cold tires. And so it's another safety issue. Yeah, Carlos ends up hitting um, uh, Alonso. Logan Sargent just like plows into the back of Nick <laughs> DeVries from out of like that was like hurry up, wait for me, guys. Like let me be part of this wreck. Like he, <laughs> he literally started last on the grid and had all the time and warning to be able to avoid it, and he still ran he into still somebody. Did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, as I'm looking at a lot of this too, I I just am, I just am so, like I I want to be excited about the standings, right? I want to mm-hmm. be excited about, but that but that to me wasn't that wasn't that fun to watch, kind of the end of it, and I, I kind of threw my hands up and went whatever, and and then to go, oh, this is how it's going to end right here. Like I guess it's too equivalent in like you know in football taking a knee, you know, or yeah. just like the, take, but you got to do it like. For all three downs, you know, when you have like a minute ninety, a minute twenty seven. <laughs> really drag it out, yeah. And you just like it has to keep and there's one guy sitting there trying to get through and like <laughs> I'm gonna make him fumble. You know, and then everybody else just kinda of doing the fake like hands up thing and but at least then they had earned it up to that point. And I think that that's the idea, right? I mean, in the end, Max won and he should have won. Yeah. What you don't want is to have that kind of stuff happen and they go, Oh, whoops. You can't do anything else uh, just by the luck of the draw. If if he's not ahead of everybody on every single, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the very beginning of the race it was interesting too because he he absolutely got beat by George Russell off this, the off the line. Yeah, this is a a trend I think with Red Bull. Like he, he he's not and, good at starts. He does not get great starts, and I don't know if it's him or if it's the car or what. But I think they're just so freaking fast that they know like, hey, if we lose a couple spots on the start, that's fine. But we're gonna blow by him when the DRS three you know, laps happen opens up. Oh, yeah, it's over. So uh, yeah, okay, so. Of all the things that are going on, because that was the race, and when it comes down to the actual uh, F1 standings, as I open it up here, I was looking at at, at some of these that that were that are surprises. I think the biggest one, of course, um, is Aston Martin in that second spot. By the way, any guesses on how many points they earned last year in the championship overall? Aston Martin? Yeah. So there's 65 oh, right now. They would have all probably come from Vettel. So <laughs> maybe about this much? Uh, 55. They're already oh, wow. 10 they points already... clear of their the three races in. Three races, three podiums. Good for them. That's and, great. And you know what? I just, I just see, I mean, Fernando Alonso just must be loving it. And so this whole Mission 33 for them, for him to win his 33rd race, 
it's really funny to me because like teams will do that kind of garbage all the time where they're like, we have these goals. And it's like, yeah, but are you going to get there? <laughs> and the reality is, is Aston Martin and Mercedes is now right there, I think, with them. I think what we saw in this race was you saw Mercedes come to the track. I think that their qualifying um, ended up being better paced than we anticipated. Maybe that they did even too, because mm-hmm. I think that after FP1 and FP2, everybody's going, all right, so sixth, seventh, you know, maybe on this thing. I think what we figured out in terms of storylines is that Ferrari really is actually a lot further away than we thought, too. Yeah, I would say two race week, two races ago, we were all saying Mercedes is fourth at best, and I think very clearly second right now. I mean, it's definitely not Ferrari with the luck that they're having, and I do think that they, that car has more pace than, um, than the Aston Martin in Australia, so I, I think that the fortunes are going to turn around very quickly for Mercedes, especially as they bring new upgrades. And, um, like, one of the things that popped out to me uh, from the last week or so was uh, analysis on the driver seat position on the Mercedes. And it, it kind of ties to what Lewis had been talking about, like, you know, they're not really taking my input. You know, he's he's been complaining that he feels weird in the car, that he feels like he's on top of the front tires. And they compared Mercedes to the their car last year and versus everybody else this year. And their seat is pushed way forward. And... You would do that for weight balance uh, issues. Like, you know, the, there's not a lot of weight on the front tires of these cars uh, because the engine's in the back. And you want a lot of weight on the front tires so that you can get more front grip. And, right, for some reason this year they pushed his driver's seat uh, forward a bunch. And it sounds like part of the upgrades are going to be moving him back so that he's sitting more on the back wheels. And, um, and is that a preference for him, too? I mean, if he's complaining about sitting too far forward. I think it's a um, yeah. I think it's a preference feel, um, being comfortable in the car, and then they'll just have to uh, achieve the weight distribution that they want more with aero, right? It, it just feels like that would be standard. Like you go, no, we put you where you feel the most comfortable, and obviously vision is a huge deal too. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't want to mess that up at all. Like I wouldn't want to mess with where Lewis Hamilton. You want to see these exact things when you're driving. Yeah, I'm not going to change it then. You know, like that. So. So that to me is pretty interesting, and it's a little backward engineering-wise and probably yeah. some of the reasons that some of the engineering has been backward anyway for him. Yeah, and I think – so I think with all these changes, Mercedes is going to really turn things around and be the clear second. And then Alonso, just through his own pure you know talent, will will keep Aston Martin in third. And then, yeah, man, Ferrari's luck doesn't turn around. They might get passed by McLaren. <laughs> like, McLaren wow. scored what? 12 points in one race. Yeah, and... but the only reason they did was because those two French <laughs> know, cars so lucky. <laughs> because Alpine has better pace than McLaren. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have better pace than Ferrari. But don't put it past uh, Pierre Gasly. And even, uh, you know, Ocon's not a, not a slouch himself in the seat. This, Al- this Alpine car is a little bit faster than I think we thought it was going to be. Uh, at least they've gotten better through mm-hmm. through the rest through the uh, early parts of the season here. So, uh, from a from a team standpoint, yeah, right now it's it's uh, it's one two three Red Bull Aston Martin Mercedes, and I do think you're seeing a. I think that the, that both drivers are pretty excited because I think they see something turning, like you were talking about, that Aston Martin isn't going to be able to keep up with some of the development that they're going to have or some of the upgrades that they bring to these races. Yeah, I think that it was inevitable that. Uh, Max was going to get past uh, one Mercedes at least, but, uh, you know, most likely two. But it would have been interesting to see the entire race, two versus two Mercedes versus Max. And the the Alex Albon red uh, red flag at the beginning of the race caught uh, George out on his strategy because he had already pitted, right? 
uh, when the safety car came out. So then it became a one versus one fight with Lewis, and then that that ended pretty quickly. Which but, was a uh, bummer because George had obviously outperformed. Yeah, uh, he was super Lewis, quick, and he keeps outperforming. I mean. I don't know what did we ever get an explanation as to why that car lit on fire? I mean, it's just no. I didn't. You don't I don't see think that I very often. It, yeah, you don't see it very often. You certainly don't see it with Mercedes very often. Yeah, yeah, that thing caught on fire pretty quick. Um, I have not seen, uh, yeah, any reports on what exactly that was, but yeah, they were. I think they're quick. George is showing that he's every bit uh, as quick as as Lewis, so I think that'll make things um, interesting to see how those two perform. Right now, I think more just because of DNFs, Lewis is ahead of George by 10, uh, 20 points. But even, like, the gap between Max and Sergio, like, it feels like, oh, my gosh, Max is running away with this. But Max is only 15 points ahead of Sergio, which is, like, if Sergio gets a win or a second place and if Max Sergio, has a DNF, if then... If Sergio would have even had a decent day of qualifying, yeah, like, I didn't know what was going on with his car. I don't even think he knew what was going on. Like, yeah, he probably and then would have finished more uh, along that second. Yeah, and I think he took a power unit uh, change, too, which I think is why he finished... He started he from, the start from the pit lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah so... But I think, uh, I mean, 15 points is not that big of a lead. And Max knows it. I think Max talked about how in the post race that in those first few red flag restarts, he had to be pretty conservative because he's got more to lose than everybody else. Uh, You know, everyone can just like go for broke to try and get a win. But uh, if he DNFs, then he could pretty quickly lose the lead of the championship. I think that's the only thing that keeps him from winning the championship this year are unforced errors and DNFs. And so... Uh, he'll drive more conservatively in those situations. So I think Sergio can can push the issue. Who sucked this last weekend? Oh, man. As drivers and as constructors who were amazing. I'll start with the amazing part because I think we know that Red Bull is what they are. I think it's really fun to see Aston Martin still fighting uh, for, uh, you know, being on the podium for all three of the first races is crazy to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to tip my cap to freaking Nico Hulkenberg, man. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> he's out. He's outraced in every race his uh, Kevin Magnuson, his teammate. So the first thing you got to do is beat your mm-hmm. teammate. And he's out qualified him and everything, too. And he gets this, and he gets, uh, he gets seventh place and he gets points. And by the way, Haas is now in seventh in the constructors because they mm-hmm. and and you know what so you can make an argument they should probably have more points too so Nico has actually been way better than I thought he was going to be out of those two drivers you go well Kevin got his feet under him last year and he performed really really well last year he still hasn't seemed to figure out the car uh, mm-hmm. and I know he had the bad but he wasn't he was pretty far back still when he had his incident yeah and then and but Nico Hulkenberg comes back into the sport and he's just been phenomenal I think Haas. If you're a fan of the American team, they're I think they're they're really fun to watch right now, and they kind of don't have anything to lose, and and yeah. uh, I think it's just going to continue. I think yeah, uh, I think Gunter's looking like uh, you know probably feeling justified in his decision to to drop Mick and bring on Nico. That's that's for sure. I think Nico's got great experience, and yeah, that's who came to mind uh, to me who had a really good weekend. I wish Alex Albon hadn't you know DNF'd. I think he, he was running sixth at the time. Yeah. And Williams needs every point that they can get, and, and they would have gotten a good chunk there. So that that was that was you know pretty unfortunate. How's for them. Logan Sargent doing? Do you think? I know this weekend was not very good for him. I think that yeah, I think this this last weekend was not great. I think uh, I was pretty optimistic after the first race in Bahrain, and then the last few races he's just looked more like a rookie. But I think I'd put him on par. I'm, I I think he's probably the slowest of the three rookies. But I think we all we already thought that coming into the race or into the season. So 
I'm going to withhold judgment uh, <laughs> for a couple more races. But if if the trends continue, then I think it's yeah, he's the most uh, inexperienced driver in the slowest car on the grid. So he's probably going to run uh, somewhere in the high teens most of the season. Hey, Yuki got a point. The guy's been getting 11th every uh, every time. He wouldn't have been 11th if the two Alpines wouldn't have. There are a lot of people who should thank the French team for uh, yeah, they really for how they, how they ended up out. in the points. Uh, in terms of teams, when you put those, I guess it wasn't really their fault, but, I mean, those two cars coming together and looking like just mirrors of one another parked, you know, up against that so wall. So unfortunate. And a million and a half dollars worth of damage on those two cars combined and just on top of the fact that those points went away. Uh, that was a bummer of a weekend for uh, for the French team. And then on top of that, they they didn't give Pierre Gasly a penalty. Like, and he is already uh, right on the verge of having enough like points, what they call him on his driver's license, right. super license, that he be, be suspended for a, suspended a race. for a race. And so yeah. they said um, if the stewards had given him the kind of standard penalty for causing a wreck, then he'd be out the next race. But since he ran into his own teammate, they were more lenient, I guess. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's, that seems like a bit of a double standard. So I think Pierre's got to be really careful or he's going to be kicked out of a race here soon. Ferrari and specifically Charles Leclerc. Now, I know it's not his problem, but to go into – I think I, I think of, of all the sports, of all the things that can happen in a sport, to fly everybody across the world, to get everything set up, and then to be done into the first turn – of, yeah. the, of the 58 lap race that must just be so and i know they have to just deal with it because that's the nature of the sport but man charles has what six points yeah and he had 71 at this point last year he oh my god he had 71 points that's more than what max has right now through three races he had 71 points going into this fourth race of the season last year and this year He's looking like he did at Sauber when he was like yeah. a rookie. Yeah, I've, I've heard this joke going around uh, on Twitter, but it was like last year there was that famous photo of Benotto like kind of pointing his finger uh, right at Charles. Like in his face of the meme was like, Charles like, this is the worst season of my life. And Benotto's like, it's the worst season of your life so far. <laughs> so far, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's what we're at right now. It's like, this is worse than last season. Somehow so it is. I think that Charles, is, he's trying so hard, right? And I think that he... I don't think what his move outside uh, on the outside of uh, was it, um, Lance Stroll that caused him to get spun out. I don't think that was like a overly aggressive move, but no. I also think he could be a bit more conservative on the start. Just like let the race come to him, get some laps in. Like yeah, like to to your point, don't don't DNF in the, in the first sector. I think that he gets this in his head. Like I'm going to because what did he start on the grid? Uh, fifth, like, yeah, somewhere fifth or sixth. There. Yeah. I think he was on the fourth row. You don't need to be in third by the time you get to the fourth turn, right? right. You, and you won't be. So just relax, get on your strategy, mm-hmm. uh, and and just go. And the thing is, is that you know with that finish and with a lot of the other ones, not just on on points and everything, but um, but Carlos is outperforming Charles so far mm-hmm. this year. Like yeah, it just doesn't seem like yeah. it just doesn't seem like uh, you know. And and poor Carlos. Why was he so upset about that? Because I think I've seen I've seen five second penalties being handed out, and I don't know. Like in my mind, it did look like he maybe I I don't know I don't I don't know why everybody was so upset about the five second penalty. Yeah, uh, I people feel like- were saying it looked like oh th- this should not have been a penalty, and I'm going. And he was obviously if you listen to the radio call. Hmm. Yeah. He was like, no, 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 no. Like they told him his mom died. Like emotional, he was like, yeah. No, 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 no. He's like, oh, no, please tell them, tell them, please. <laughs> and you're like, 
Dude, <laughs> they're not going, okay, you convinced us. Yeah. I mean, they, they do listen. They will listen. But tell them they need to talk to me first. Like, when he was saying that, I was going, dude, you sound There's nothing you can do about petulant this, here, dude. And, and it, and, but I don't know what the argument was to not get the five-second penalty because he definitely put somebody off the track. Now, yeah, that's the standard penalty. I think that the five-second penalty to me is always kind of weird. I'd rather, like... Like in NASCAR, this would have been, and I'm you know, always referring back to this, uh, but it would have been a point penalty. Like they don't uh, ever like change the outcome of the race unless it's like it was found that you were cheating, right? If you were cheating, then like, yeah, you, your result gets stripped. But for something like this, um, they would uh, do a, a like a penalty for drivers and constructor points in F1. So I versus changing the outcome of the race, like, you know, five seconds is just such an arbitrary number. And especially when you when you combine that with this weird red flag ending where everyone paraded across oh, very close to so like super dumb. close to each other, then that means dropping from fourth to twelfth or whatever it was, it basically guaranteed that he was finishing last on the on the lead lap. Yeah. That that felt like an outsized uh, and aggressive um, penalty given the situation. Where I wish it would have been like you get a three grid place penalty or you get a five or ten point. Uh, deduction on your driver championship or something like that versus the time penalty f- feels so arbitrary to give out for something that's like so late in the race they don't ha- like because if you get a five second time penalty on lap one then you have the whole race to make that up make even your strategy decision if you got it 30 he probably would have been ahead of, of some when you do it right then he goes from what was he in fifth yeah like yeah to fifth down four- to 12. no he was fourth fourth down to just you're out of the points totally yeah right? that, that's where it felt like it was um not uh I agree that he should have been penalized, but I think that was too much. Uh, you always call it spicy news. Spicy so news. what are some of the spicy news bits uh, that are going on outside of the track? And, boy, we have a lot of weeks. I think the 30th is our next yeah, race, right? Yeah, thanks to the uh, yeah, Chinese Grand Prix being canceled. We've Fine. got a bit of a ways to go. So we got, we got till April 30th. It's like, I mean, this is the break that you usually get midsummer. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but here we are. Less than uh, you know, we have a Spring few weeks, break. a few weeks to hang out and kind of talk about this thing. But what Felipe Massa? I don't know the history as much. This is when he was racing with Ferrari, though, right? I mean, yes. two thousand eight. Why is he? He's he's considering suing F one mm-hmm. uh, or the FIA or I don't know who. Both maybe for what? To get it, I to think get F1 it, specifically to get a championship to have it like uh, yeah it's hard restated to go... yeah okay what happened so roll back the tapes 2008 uh, in the final race of the season you might remember this is a famous highlight where uh, Ferrari crosses the line and they're convinced that they just won the championship so they all start celebrating right. yep and then um, Lewis gets around somebody for like fourth yeah for like fourth he gains one point and he. Uh, crosses and he wins the championship and you have two teams um celebrating at the same mclaren and ferrari celebrating at the same time thinking they both won the championship until ferrari realizes that lewis picked up that point there's some guy in the garage who starts pushing people around going stop celebrating celebrating. (laughs) he's like pushing like moms and stuff who are in there they're like they're all crying and he's like stop we didn't get it look yeah yeah and then people are like what so that's the famous finish to that season so uh, if Lewis hadn't gotten that position, it would have been a tie, and then the tiebreaker would have gone to Felipe Massa for having won more races that season than Lewis. So, okay, earlier in the season at Singapore, it was a, the first night race that F1 had ever done. It was, and I think it was the first race at that the Singapore Grand Prix. They um, that race was won by Fernando Alonso 
in the Renault, which hadn't won a race yet that season, and they were they're kind of crappy. Like uh, or, um, Alonso won his, wins his two championships with uh, with Renault, leaves goes to McLaren. Uh, doesn't like being second fiddle to the new Lewis Hamilton, goes back to Renault, and they stink. Well, they needed to get a win, and uh, so that uh, race, they have a really weird um, uh, pit strategy going on where they pit really early, get on hard tires, they're out of cycle with everybody else, and then uh, Fernando Alonso's teammate, Nelson Piquet Jr., uh, crashes. He crashes on purpose. He crashes, in a very convenient moment at a very convenient point yeah. in the track that forces uh, a safety car. And it the not only does it force a safety car, but it forces like everyone to back up real close to the safety car. So when they all pit, Fernando just passes everybody, and he goes on to win the race um, because he, he just can maintain it, and he's on the right strategy. So um, at the time, there wasn't a lot of like public outcry of like, oh, my gosh, the, that was like a race that was fixed because that wasn't really anything that had ever happened in F1. It was kind of inconceivable. So, okay, why are we talking about this right now is in recent weeks, Bernie Ecclestone, who was the CEO of Formula One at the time. For a long time, yeah. And for a very Until long time. a couple time, of years ago. Yeah. He was like the David Stern kind of yes. like, don't mess with this Only guy. Only even shorter. <laughs> even shorter. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, with much younger wives. And so <laughs> girlfriends or whatever yes, he had. Sure. He always had like he's a 40-year gap he on. He is the Leonardo DiCaprio of uh, bosses <laughs> in F1. I've always said this. <laughs> so recently, Ecclestone just keeps running his mouth on stuff, and he told a publication that he uh, and F1 knew that uh, Nelson Piquet Jr. had like come forth and come forward and said, like, hey, the team bosses told me to wreck on lap 21 and turn 17. And um, so F1 did... At, they cl- they claimed before that they didn't know that until after the season was over. Was it a? Do they have radio back and forth where it was like a go to plan C, which is C no. stands for crash? Like what are they? No. So Nelson PK after the season was over came forward and said, "Hey, I this was all rigged." But the at that point the season was over. There's something in the rulebook that said you couldn't restate season, the season results, and so there was like a lawsuit back and forth between Nelson Piquet and Renault, and it kind of all just kind of got finally settled by F1. Um, they banned the team boss and the technical director from Renault for for like lifetime bans. So you guys can't come back. I think they strip something or they find them, um, and so that was like the resolution. But I guess what's coming forward now is that uh, Bernie Ecclestone is saying, like, oh, like, Nelson Piquet didn't tell us after the season. He told us, like, right, right after then. the race. Like, oh. we, so we knew and had time to have changed in what we should. And Ecclestone even says this, like, we should have changed the result or of you that should race. Have, or you should have at least gotten the team bosses together and then, like, had an appeal, like, a, like right then. When they yeah. do appeals, you don't do it in 2023 when it happened in 2008. You do it that week or that day, and they'll send out the you know they'll, they'll they'll try to figure it out that day, especially if they knew there was some sort of a because if that happens right now, I mean heaven knows. Well, first of all, asking somebody to crash is a problem. Like <laughs> you think about how much uh, you know this sport needs safety. Number one, which mm-hmm. is you know that's that's the other thing I was going to say about the red the red flags is. Red flags are there to keep the the racers safe. Right. The, these race and, car drivers and the, mar- safe. and the marshals and the too. marshals. Everybody yeah. who's involved in this thing is to keep them safe. Somebody got hit by uh, Magnuson's debris, by the way, um, up in oh. the crowd. Somebody did oh, get geez. hit, but it wasn't like a, a major deal. It got cut or something like that. Mm. But still, 
this is something that all racetracks have to deal with. So imagine asking somebody to crash on purpose and then those types of results. I know these guys are pros and they could put they could put a car into the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen, you know, and again, you think about the the impact that um, Dale Earnhardt Sr. had. Mm-hmm. No one looks at that footage and goes, that guy probably died. You know, yeah. like. No, it's innocuous. It yeah, looks it like, seems. It looks like a lot of, uh, of uh, and so I think that that's a, it's an awful look. Would that ever happen? Would F1 ever look at that and go, let's give a co-championship or something like that that year or. Because you're talking about Lewis Hamilton. That I was think his first all championship. options are on the table at this point. You know, I think that um, I think that Felipe Massa has a in, has a legitimate case that they've that something fishy happened, and that the right and thing they knew that, about it, and they knew about it, and they that that if you corrected, if you made all these corrections, what's the end result? Felipe Massa wins the 2008 championship. Lewis goes from seven time to six time when he sh- everyone is thinking he should have been at eight time. It's it so that's what's relevant right now. And I mean, to your point, it was a huge um, deal at the time. Like I would put it on par with like the whole NBA uh, refs gambling on game okay. stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it was that level of like um, uh, of of a, of a deal collusion you know? between multiple folks, not just one person trying yeah. to cheat. Yeah, totally. Like put throws into question the entire integrity of the sport. Oh, and so. Uh, it was a big deal then, and but like F one, the the footing that they had at the time was like, oh, we didn't find out until after the award ceremony, and so there's nothing we can do about it. But Ecclestone saying like, no, we knew a lot sooner. Boy, Bernie, you could have just ridden off into just the sunset with one the, of your hot girlfriends. Go to the grave with that, you know, with that <laughs> knowledge. And the I, grave is uh, around not, the corner, by the way. Not far away. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Of all the things going on, I know we've got a couple of weeks to be able to, to kind of chat about some of these things and uh, and to jump in on this. But we've got uh, so many things we still want to talk about and get people ready for. Um, gosh, I guess the next race is uh, Azerbaijan. Of course. I don't know anything about Baku. The, I, I like Baku. Baku's been uh, good to some of the – George, that's a racetrack that uh, George Russell does well at. I know he has a oh, history yeah. of uh, of being sad about it, but uh, he's also <laughs> – he probably wants to get that get – that, uh, that sure victory in the bag, you know, after the puncture he had that one year. Baku's also a place that Sergio Perez does well. Yeah, street course. Sergio does well there. Um, then uh, last year, Charles won, I believe, Baku last year. Mm. I think Max had some kind of an issue. And then the year before was the famous Lewis Hamilton um, with the brake issue on the red flag restart when he blew blew through turn one. And, That's and, right. And so, yeah, I think that it's a very it, – like um, Saudi Arabia – uh, it is a very fast street course that uh, I think has good racing uh, for being a street course. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think that the the potential for chaos is high there. I'm showing Dan right now the uh, the debris. That is a shredded rim right there that oh, flew into the ground. Oh, interesting. That is because if you saw it when it was when you saw uh, when he was coming back in, half of that rim was shorn off. Mm. It flew into the crowd. That is a big chunk. Yeah, that's not of good. extremely sharp metal. Now that being said, that is a really cool uh, look. His that's, arms bleeding right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. What a souvenir to take. I, home. I would say that thing is getting framed. I'm putting it in my. <laughs> I'm putting it over my bed, man. Like yeah. that's. <laughs> I mean, that's like there was the story at the end of the race was that um, somehow the whoever was organizing running this race let the fans uh, onto the track too soon at the end of the at oh, the end I of the it. Grand Prix. I saw it. And they're, they're, I, what did they end up doing? I mean, because the, the race organizers get in trouble for that kind of stuff. Uh, they must get 
I don't know, they'll get some sort of slap on the wrist, but it was super unsafe. Weird. I mean, I've always thought it was a bit weird to even let fans on the track at all, but cool, great. Like, when I went to Singapore, it's awesome. I'm going to go walk around, but, yeah, there's potential for that issue where you one uh, marshal gets a little trigger happy and then doesn't know exactly, like, oh, wait, the race is still going cool on. on lap, yeah. That's, that's that, that could be dangerous. That's a bad deal. Uh, okay. Well, there's tons of things still to get through over the next few weeks here, and so we're going to jump into those. Uh, over these next couple of weeks, we're going to still be pumping out some of these episodes and uh, and keeping you up to date with the uh, with the F one stuff. So, Dan, good episode, man. Yeah, I think we had it all in there. We got uh, Bernie Ecclestone's girlfriends in there. That might be a good name for a oh, for a for a fantasy F one team. Come on, perfect. Man. Yeah. Uh, so for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll catch you next week, everybody. We're going to be rolling out another episode. Uh, Dan is going to bring you some of his signature engineering knowledge so that you can get smarter. Uh, in F1. So for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll see you next time, everybody.